powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, football, or basketball, Sports Interaction has you covered. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh-oh. Do we have some Zach audio issues? Chat, chat, let us know. Let us know. Do we have a Zach audio issue? As always, a fun way to start the show. Uh yeah, looks like looks like we do. All right. All right. While, while Zach fixes his audio. All right, let's let's get this show started. Yeah, Oilers, Oilers fans, it's it's another Oilers loss. What do you what do you want us to say, right? Well, in typical Oilers fashion, they actually showed up and played really well today compared to what happened in Columbus, which can we hear can we hear Zach? You know what? I'm gonna keep talking. Let me know if you guys start hearing Zach. Okay, so it happens, right? The Oilers are notorious for coming in, playing well against playoff caliber teams. And tonight looked like a playoff type of game. I tweeted, if this is the Stanley Cup final, this is one of the best ways that you can market the game. Columbus, throw it in the dumpster. Tonight, We might we might have to have an Audie James sort of situation, just like just like game over Calgary. Uh, Zach's my Zach might have to pull out the the paperboard. But yeah, the Oilers they they try. I mean, this sort of this sort of situation, it it's unfortunate because they play such a great game and they deserve to be rewarded with a win on McFifty night, right? But we don't always get what we want. By the by, if you just look at deserve a win a meter, expected goals, the Oilers should have won this game pretty tidy. It's just that we couldn't quite bury the puck when it mattered most. And I think all of oil country, they they love Kyler Yamamoto. I mean, I know Zach, he's trying to figure out his you hear me now? I think they can hear me now. I think they can hear me now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. It's not my headphones, guys. I use a different mic. Uh, these these headphones are completely separate, but no, we should be good now. Sorry, I wasn't listening right. to you because I was trying to figure that out, but I, I replaced the... It's a completely new mic. Um, okay. Hopefully, hopefully you guys are hearing, Zach. All yeah. right, wise guy. All right, wise Kyle, you're good. All right. So, yeah, I was just mentioning Kyler Yamamoto. Great player. Love the spirit. But he's been having a tough season. Injuries have really hampered his production. And now he's he's back, but he's just not quite able to finish. And he, he's when really he had his struggling. breakout season. 
Yeah, his yeah. his original breakout season when he came up uh, right uh, the, before the shutdown, it was nineteen twenty, and he had those 27 points in 28 games. He had the dry line, whatever. They were going strong and played awesome. Then the next year he comes up, he's not nearly as good, but I think he still – that's this year because I know they're – I'm not 100% sure on Kyle Yamamoto's stats you know, going back, but long story short, 20 goals last year, this year – has really struggled, been in and out of the lineup with injuries, and since he's been back, he has been, I don't even want to say a shadow of himself because he's never really shown to be a consistent top six player at any point besides when he first got called up, but he has struggled three times this game, golden opportunities, wide open four on six, Swayman down and out, and completely misses it numerous times i could count at least five times where he would get a pass on a breakout from a leon or a connor because he's out there every second shift with them and he would flub it and it would turn into an odd man rush for the bruins right the bruins are such a dangerous transition team it's similar to how the oilers play right but the difference between us and them is well their forwards aren't nearly as strong as ours or at least their top six their mm -hmm. defensemen overwhelmingly one through six are so much better than every single one of our guys. Maybe uh, Evan Bouchard, uh, that's debate. I know a lot of people would like to debate that, but tonight you could see how dangerous they were. And when you have guys like Yamo um, messing up breakouts, the Bruins, they'll kill you with that one mistake. And to be honest, this, like you said, I'm, I'm not sure you said this to me before. I'm not sure you said this to everyone watching felt like a playoff game. The Oilers came yeah. out intense. They came out hard. This is, we, I knew we were going to get an effort like this. This is, and, and, but when they played this well, I'm not, to be honest with you, you what you said mm -hmm. to me during the game, I don't, you, you didn't expect to win, right? Like, you weren't going to be sad about a loss. But at, the, exactly. but at the same time, when they play this well and you have two big mistakes that kill you, one with 29 seconds left in the second period and one in the first period on the, um, on the Felino goal, yeah, like what can you do, right? Like the Felino goal, pretty. I hate blaming Leon, it's, but it was a really rough back check from Leon there, right? His guy yeah. is the guy who puts the puck in the net, uh, and then plus both defenders, you know, trail away, try to take. Uh, who who was it? Charlie Coyle, I think it was something like that. I I key so hard into the Oilers that sometimes I miss <laughs> who's doing what on the other team, but. No, and it sounds like we might we might have a little bit of sound balancing issues, so mm. I, I will let you take the reins on that. Yeah, but you're right. I'll figure that, that out. That first goal, brutal. Um, there's there's not much you can really do be about it. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that's that's better. Oh, actually, and the Flino the Flino one is it, it, it's yeah. Tough. This should be better. The third one, Zaka. You can see this is just a matter of timing, a matter of how badly. The Bruins players want that puck. They're they're diving for it. They're making little chips just to try and get something on net. It's tough. Uh, if if you look at Yamamoto's chances, I mean, it's been mentioned by Wise Kyle and Chat. Just the hard passes, those tic tac toe sort of plays. They've been going right over his stick. He's not able to hold on with his paddle and just redirect it into the goal. Uh, Jay Money coming in. <laughs> Yamamoto's worse at finishing than him at trying to riz at the Cook County. <laughs> oh, no, that's boy. funny, man. And yeah, no, this game was this game was really tough. It sucks. You didn't expect the win, to be honest with you. I don't think any Oilers fan reasonably expected the Oilers to the Bruins to walk in here and the Oilers to run the run them out five nothing. But you you got to be really happy with the effort from the most part. Honestly, probably the first two goals, Stu could have been a little better. He wouldn't play fantastic if that was Jack Campbell. We all would have been killing him. So 
Yeah, Stu came up big, though, late in the game. That's kind of where the real fun happened was with 10 minutes left in the third period, and we'll, we'll get into that soon. But it was really funny. Just I know they kind of brought this up on the broadcast, but, you know, Brad Marchand shitting on Edmonton five seconds into the game. Guys leaves with an injury, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, it, it is funny, right? A quick aside on Marchand. I, I like the guy. Every single team should want this guy on their roster. Mm-hmm. But he, he makes it so easy to hate him, right? And that's one of the great things about Brad Marchand as a skater. Yeah, like looking at the goals, it's it's hard to fault Skinner for a lot of these ones, right? Um, there, The first one was, I think, just off of a loose puck. There's no real chance that he's going to be able to stop that one. Uh, what really... What really peeved me off about that one was uh, right away, Boston obviously made a couple of trades earlier during last week. right? And right away, Dmitry Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, they chipped in on that first goal of the game. It just goes to show you, no matter how good you are, you can always add, you can always make your team better. And when your team is that good, you're going to go out and get the best possible players and reward them and whatever. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into, I'm sure we'll we'll obviously have a little bit of trade trade deadline discussion later, but it was an awesome way to start the game, right? I was really worried coming into the game, then quickly in the Oilers come out hard, and then 97 walks in, 5-hole. 49th of the year i jump up off my couch i was so excited and not 13 seconds later right does the next goal happen so it, 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 it that's kind of one of those mistakes that happens with the oilers consistently where they give up that goal immediately after they score one uh but again it was the bruins and i, I you knew it wasn't going to be easy the i kind of and what we we're talking about was the 2-1 goal where that felino scored where we kind of i i have more issue with i feel like that could have been a better effort from dry saddle barry was nowhere to be found he was still all the way up the ice um it, it, it that's just a, a lack of structure the and yeah and you kind of saw that with the oilers but again credit to the oilers where they were able to hold it together for 56 minutes of this game, right? There was a few lapses, and the Bruins are so good, such a veteran team, that they just they kill you with no matter what. You make one mistake, you give them an inch, and they take a mile. You know, like as cliche as that is. Let's not forget, they're missing Taylor Hall in yeah. this lineup, right? He didn't play tonight. Didn't want to fly to Edmonton, apparently. <laughs> Couldn't I have no no reason to believe that he hates the city or anything, but you know what? Uh, he's gone back to Boston. It's scary to believe what this team can do, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Honestly, I mentioned it earlier on. I think if this was the final, this would be an incredibly entertaining final, oh, yeah. Stanley Cup final. Like, well, both teams they have shown the ability to defend well and back check and really play tight, sound hockey. Mm -hmm. But they also have that flash in the pan of brilliance, right? This is why the Oilers just need to get that extra push. And we've harped on it a lot (laughs) during the last couple of broadcasts. They could use the extra push. And you're right. Maybe now we're not even looking at one one big piece. We might be looking at like a big piece maybe a little piece, maybe one that's sort of in that mm-hmm. six, seven defenseman bolstering role. There's a lot that this Oilers team could do to improve as long as they're willing to put in the effort, I, make I, the trades. I know I posted that thing where Ken Holland said a trade deadline acquisition is going to be Evander Kane or Evander a, a Kane coming back is like a trade deadline acquisition. I, I accidentally set Oilers Twitter on fire a little bit, which was really funny for me to see. Uh, but again, they played 
well. Like, they, I believe, like, if you look at, like, the deserved winometer and ex- the expected goals for this game, like, the Oilers generated more expected goals in all situations than the Bruins did by the end of the game. Like, the Oilers, Ky- somehow, Kyler Yamamoto has almost a full expected goal by the money puck model. Yeah, Evan, Bouch- Evan Bouchard at- was controlled 89% of the expected goals, and Phil Broberg was not far behind him. Even though Phil Broberg in the defensive zone gave me a little bit of a nick, he definitely, and I, I know some smarter people than me pointed this out on Twitter, but I think it was really noticeable against the Bruins, who are just a, such a heavy forechecking team. He struggled handling their forecheck. He struggled picking up their dumping, retrieving their dumpings, uh, and that was really noticeable. I thought later, like when the Felino line was on, I thought that was, because obviously they're going to try and shelter Broberg, get him out against the third and fourth lines, and I thought Boston's in particular he's he's he struggled with uh but yeah cool RV controlled 66 barry had a fantastic game the problem one of the one of the besides gamo being frankly not good today the other two players that stuck out to me so badly for having a horrible game were cody cc and darnell nurse they played like garbage like just to be blunt i i from your top pairing, you will not win many games if your top pairing plays like that. Like, Darnell Nurse could not handle the puck. Everything was either off the glass and out. The guy couldn't make a break, start a breakout to save his life. The offensive zone possessions were getting bobbled. and The puck was going everywhere but where he wanted it to go. He looked atrocious tonight. He was fighting it really hard. Uh, Vincent DeHarnay uh, has fallen a little bit back down to earth as well. He also only had a 6%... Uh, it controlled 6% of the expected goals on money puck. So, yeah, they kind of got destroyed when they are on the ice here. There was something yeah. else I wanted to point out about uh had a tough night, too. I mean, he was he was great in that last little bit, three block shots, but then he takes that slashing penalty. Mm-hmm. And you could say at that point in the game, yeah, like the, the chances that the Oilers are going to come back are really low. But that's a very blatant penalty that you just can't take. The of course, Boston it, one? Uh, no, no, no. The uh, DeHartney one. Oh, the, well, yeah. The game was well, so that, that's a whole sequence, right, of events, right? It, 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 it starts in the third when Clem Costin goes in to finish the hit on David Krejci, and Krejci's stick hits him in his face. Jack Edwards thinks Clem Costin pulled a gun or something the way he's freaking out. And then they give him a five-minute major for missing a check. They replay it. You can hear Rogers plays booing. Thank God they got the call right. They took him out of the box and took away the major because... Costin didn't come anywhere close to him. Krejci's own stick yeah. hit him in the face. They take well, that off the board. Th- this is one of the things, like, give it to the refs. I, I know we harp on the refs a lot, but you- this is why that review rule for major well, penalties is in place. I'll give it to the refs there. This is one of the first games in a while where I can't say I'm too happy with the refs. Like, obviously, again, the Oilers didn't lose because of the refs. But there was a play early in the first where Connor McDavid was kind of going up and down the half wall in the Bruins zone. And I can't remember who it was. One of the Bruins defensemen was water skiing off him with his stick. It was getting hooked so hard. They didn't call it. I was like, okay, that's fine. That's the that's the standard we're upholding. And then later in the game when Yamo gets that weak, weak, weak hooking call, that really frustrated me because it was so such a little infraction relative to the... Uh, the McDavid one or what was committed on McDavid. So that kind of frustrated me. And then later in the game, in the sequence that we're breaking down, you see Yanmark get hauled down, not able to clear the puck. He doesn't get called two seconds later. That's when the day RNA slash happens, right? Yeah. So 
there was a little bit of mismanagement, but that kind of goes back to what we're saying about the Bruins just being such a veteran team. Like, there were numerous times. McDavid has probably held 15, 20 times in this game. Like, the Bruins are so stingy defensively. They to get away. They know exactly how to get away with everything. It's what Steve says, and you really see it. You can really key into it. There's no other team in the NHL like this that is so adept or inept at just getting away with little stick infractions to make their defensive lives easier. Um, yeah, it was... It was it was bad, and then and then yeah the the other so they didn't get Costin with that high stick or hit penalty. Then Costin makes it real easy for them. Gets Bergeron in the face with four minutes left. Looks like the Oilers are going to be on a on a five on a penalty kill for the rest of the game. Then DeHarnay gets a slash. We're on a five on three for the last two minutes. And how exciting was it that with McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice, we had not one but two shorthanded five on three odd man rush chances to tie the game first or the second one was a great save by Swayman the first one McDavid and Drysdale are kind of like they forced the pass on the two-on-one McDavid should have shot it you got 50 goals on the season already brother like yeah I know we could score 51 um it, it was yeah. it was a great it, it was a fun game despite the way it ended like yeah yeah I, I feel like I I echo your sentiment where the first period the way that it was run it was a very much so put away the whistles, let them play sort of game. And I felt that's partly why there was that sort of playoff intensity. Yeah. Second period, totally obviously agree. we had a huge, <laughs> like a back and forth, tons of calls all within like three See, minutes or something like that. And so I don't know weird. why. Like that. Yeah. Like that's the, the ref thing was, it was just weird today. You know what I mean? Like it was weird. That's the best way I could describe it. I wish I could give a more. Uh, be, uh, paint a better picture with my words, but it was just strange. Yeah, and maybe maybe it's because you know Gary Bettman was in attendance today, and we'll we'll get into a little bit of why he's in Edmonton, what he mentioned in a little bit of a press conference. But honestly, to be fair, this game, if you take away that little period to flurry of calls, and you take away the ones at the end of the game where yeah, they, they missed the major. Uh, well, they, they called the major. Turns out it was reviewed, got back. Great refing. It happened in the playoffs last year. I'm glad that the systems that we've put in place now work out. And then a horrible call like that where it was a double minor. It's been echoed in chat a couple times tonight. No blood, right? Yeah. It's hard to see. I don't know if it was... I think he got him in the eye. I, 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 that's something that, like, I understand why. But I, that I, I had the same thought to myself when I was watching it, but we're also... Like, the camera's zoomed in from really far. Like, we... I can't tell if there was or was not blood. The only people who would know that are on the ice. Now, I don't know if the rule needs to be blood or is it like injury injury or it, it, like i'm not 100 because he hit him in the eye right if there was yeah. what if there was a little you know when you pop a blood vessel in your eye and it's like a little red like it, would they count that i don't know so well, i can't remember who it was but do you remember last season uh some i want to say it was like petrie or oh something? it was jeff petrie it was jeff petrie he played a game where he had completely yeah. bloodshot eyes and i'm like Okay, I guess if that's what happened, fine. But it wasn't clear on the broadcast. So 
as much as I want to say like it wasn't a double minor, shouldn't yeah. have been a double minor. I don't know because you're right. We're we weren't on the ice and we didn't look directly into his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I just kind of want to build on what you were saying earlier. Like this is the type of game where the Oilers again struggled with the breakout. Despite that, they were neck and neck with the Bruins. Besides a few big mistakes, now you. Take this defensive core and you put in a guy like a Jacob Chicken or Matias Ekholm. Not going to be Eric Carlson right now, but we're not going to say the big. Okay, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. it's going to be Jacob Chicken or or Matias Ekholm. You take one of those guys, you put, you plug them in. You have you have that either one of them taking on the hard defensive assignments. You take that away from Darnell Nurse. Also, Darnell Nurse, Cody Cece pair needs to die. Like that, yeah. like no exaggeration. They should never see the ice together again. They cannot play together. They did it last year. It worked. It just like the dry line doesn't work anymore. This doesn't work anymore. It so is stop dead. Stop it. it. Go Bouchard, Nurse, new guy or Broberg with Cece or new guy with Cece. But Cece yeah. is not a top pair right shot defenseman. He gives up. He's not. He's having he's struggling defensively right now. He cannot create offense for the life of him. He do, it's, it's not like there's a bounce. It's not like with Barry where you give up a little bit on the defensive end for the offense. You're he, you're giving up a little bit on the defensive end for nothing, for literally zero value. Cody Cece needs to start getting lower minutes. He needs to start rebuilding that confidence because right now he is hurting his team. And but when you're putting yeah. him on the ice in the top pair, chances are he's going to be out there with 97, with 29 in offensive situations where you're going to be under pressure with the puck. And he cannot handle that right now. And it's killing the Oilers, killing them. And yeah. you can just see these little changes that they can make can completely switch. They're already like the second best team in the Western Conference, I think, besides Colorado. It's just, yeah. See, Phil in the chat says the rule is injury, not blood, referee discretion. That's what I said earlier. That's why I didn't really like, I, I didn't really freak out about it. it. That was out of all the calls that happened, I think the Yanmark one and the McDavid one earlier were probably the most egregious. That one wasn't, you kind of like that whole situation, you kind of messed up yourself there right the vincent deharney slash in, in and of itself what are you doing like what are you trying to accomplish you slashed him like you're in medieval times trying to chop up his head like it makes no yeah. sense I, I i that didn't really make I, that didn't compute with me but again two plays killed them the end of the second period and that two the two one goal in the in the first right you clean the, you goal, clean yeah. those up you would install a better defender, maybe even two defenders. You can find a way to bring in an Ekholm and a Chicken and a Nick Jensen. Oh my God, the complexion of your defense completely changes. Because, yeah. Honestly, I, you're right. Like, I, I think there's there's a key differentiator here, right? We we shouldn't hate on Cody Cece. Because you're right, he's still a serviceable NHL defenseman. On the We're just pair. asking him to do way too much. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. He would he would rock the third pair. Maybe if, you know, man injury or whatever, he goes up to the second pair. I'm sure he'll hold his own for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But right now, being a first pairing defenseman, it's obviously too much for him. I don't I don't want to say it's because of that that Nurse is having an issue because we might have a, someone else pair up with Nurse and he'll be bad. Well, I, I, I don't think want to Nurse say and that. Bouchard, I think Bouchard and Nurse can play well together. I thought and, and Bouchard good. and Barry, like in the, or Nurse and Barry in the past have been a horrible pairing. And even tonight, I, I I haven't looked at the numbers, but I believe they gave up a few decent chances. But I I know up until late in the third, Nurse was on the ice for zero high danger chances for and eight against right. 
you, you that cannot be the case for your number one defenseman or your number one defenseman, right? Getting someone getting like ahead. an Ekholm or a Chicklin works well, and I see people bring it up in chat because I know they're both capable of playing the right side, right? So you can even try them with a Darnell Nurse and have someone who can who is better defensively, just frankly, than Darnell, and you know, anchoring that pairing. Like there's a lot more combinations if you bring in a legitimate defenseman. But again, we'll see what happens. We don't know. That's that's the thing, you know, like trade deadlines coming closer and closer. A lot of teams have already taken players off the market. And here's a little fun comparison I want to bring up. Um, I saw I saw a graphic earlier today. I can't remember who I, I think it was from one of my friends on Discord. Uh, Eastern Conference, the top eight teams, seven teams have already added. Obviously, we played Boston tonight, Orlov, Hathaway, but big names, small names, they've all added in some way, shape, or form already. Carolina is the only one that hasn't yet, and I'm sure they're they're cooking something up because Don Waddell's not not a guy who's going to just let a team coast in. If they're going for it, they're going for it. Mm-hmm. Western Conference, by comparison, looking at the top eight teams, the teams that are in the playoffs positions right now, only four have added. The other four, including us, including okay. LA, and if you believe the rumors, I mean, LA was the closest one to signing or to trading for Chikrin. That's scary. I'll believe the Chikrin stuff when he gets traded. I, I, <laughs> that 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 to me, I, I don't know. When Chikrin gets traded, we'll see. The, everyone's talking. Okay, the the East, the East, the East. It's not. Yeah, if you you can paint that picture, but to me, that's kind of an inaccurate picture of what's going on. If you change the standings and don't look at them in the conference, and you just go by league one through thirty two. The top six teams in the league, Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Toronto, Tampa, New York, they all added. Carolina's the only one who did in. Vegas is seventh. Vegas added. Then you go nine through 12. Those are in the West. Those guys all haven't added yet. Los Angeles, Colorado, Minnesota, Edmonton. Yeah, okay, the top teams in the East added, but they're the top teams in the league. The best teams, they're added. The you know you know what I mean like it, it's not necessarily oh one co- like one conference is weaker but it's not oh everyone's going to the East it's just the best teams are getting the best players and they just so happen to be in the East Vegas is a top ten team Vegas added they added Barbashev so the, the, like it's not like I, I heard someone saying oh the Oilers are waiting for the Western Conference or seeing how it shapes I'm like what are you talking about the top teams are adding if you're a top team you add you don't wait around yeah. and sit there and sit on your hands and twiddle your thumbs and hope that oh I'm gonna steal Vladislav Gavrikov out of the bargain bin and you know we're gonna lose to LA in the playoffs like well you and go I for the big dogs man I want to bring up the point, hey, the New York Highlanders, when they made their big acquisition and their only acquisition so far, they were not in a playoff position. And now they're in wildcard one, I believe. So this is the the sort of thing where you say, okay, are you paying a premium if you add early, if you're not trying to wait it out until teams get desperate? I, I get that argument, but you look at the situation, you look at the examples that have already happened in this very season, and I don't well, understand how the, you could pot- the, possibly explain to your the, fans yeah. that we don't need to, to make a big exit. The way the deadline is shaping up. The way the deadline is shaping up, teams are just adding earlier this year. Like that's just how it is. Like a team's establishing a press or a player, someone's calling them and either meeting all of it or 80% of it, and Tanner Jano's case, 180% of it. Um, like giving up a draft class. Yeah, exactly. 
that's the only trade where I'm like, all right, I'm glad Ken Holland steered clear of that one. But everything else, like the price absolutely makes sense for the quality of player you're getting back, right? The the Leafs fleeced Chicago today getting Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe. Like, yeah. it, it was fantastic. Uh, Shaden in the chat says, would you rather have uh, Ekholm Trennan or Chikrin Bukesad? Uh, we can go through that. For me, I would say Chikrin Bukesad strictly, be- strictly because of contract and age. Uh, Ekholm is a very good defender. I know you know that. Um, yeah. Trennan is a really good player as well. I haven't seen Bukestad's numbers. I know they're relatively good. I haven't looked at them myself, but um, I, just uh, just on the basis of the defenseman alone, I would pick Chikrin. But like, you can't go wrong with either one. Uh, I think Chikrin just allows for a little bit more flexibility because both of those players will be in your lineup long term. Um, yeah, it's not a yeah. rental. I, like. It's not a rental, and he's at a great cost-controlled contract. Exactly. So, plus, you're like you mentioned, Ekholm is on the older side. Doesn't really seem like. Here's the narrative that we we've, we've been fed, right? Ekholm is your bruiser. Get in there, obstruct the play. Chikrin can do that too. Like Chikrin has been a good defender on an awful Arizona team. Um, yeah, he was so, dragging them up. Like he was, he was playing phenomenal. He was a like pulling out above fifty percent expected goals at some points here in certain games and dragging the Coyotes into the fight single handedly. Like I remember when the Oilers played the Coyotes, the only guy he was he was up against McDavid and Drysdale, and they struggled against him. They did not put up good numbers. Um, he is a really, really, really good defenseman who has never played with talent anywhere close to the talent that is on the Edmonton roster. And I think even like the biggest chicken haters, if the Oilers were to acquire him, would be genuinely surprised with the amount of production and the way that Chikrin plays on this team. I think he would be a phenomenal addition. If it ends up being Ekholm, okay, whatever. You're still getting an amazing defenseman. Like, Ekholm on this team is a top-pairing defenseman. He's by far their best defensive defenseman. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up about the game, though, and then we can get back into the, the trade talk. This is one thing that I pointed out, or I saw people talking about a bit, and we can get back into it. The ice time distribution is for these two players drove me nuts. This like what is going on? The fact that Kyler Yamamoto, let's just look here to make sure, played 1945 of of ice time, doing absolutely nothing. When he was on the ice, he was hindering the Oilers. He made the Oilers worse when he was on the ice. Jesse Pugliarvi had another great game. He ended up, he was minus one early on a play that was not his fault, just like we talked about Bouchard the last show. It was a play that he was not involved in. Ends up minus one. Ends up playing six minutes in ice time. The last shift that I remember of Jesse, he had a steal in the offensive zone, created a great chance on Swayman, had actually created and got off a really good shot, something he hadn't done in the past, and then... Going back in the defensive zone, Bruins on an odd man rush. Pugliarvi comes across, drops his stick in the middle, breaks it up completely, and starts the breakout for Edmonton again. And then I don't remember seeing him since. Like, I don't know how you can ask Jesse to play much better. I thought when he was out there with Costin, those two, the twin towers hitting, just crunching defensemen. They were hitting hard. They were breaking up the site. They were cycling. They were breaking up the Bruins' breakouts. They were, The Bruins struggled with those guys with their long reach, getting their six and length. And instead of putting out the 6'4 guy who's very good defensively, Jay Woodcroft keeps going back to the guy who's 5'2 and in his off days works at Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Like, it, 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 drives, it drives me nuts watching this guy on the ice. Ah, uh, anyways, I don't think the ice time for him is warranted, especially because 
he's struggling with his puck handling. He's struggling with his finishing. Like, I cannot tell you one thing that Kyle Yamamoto is doing well right now. People that are impressing me, sorry, Warren Fogel, Matisse Yanmark, is, um, and, and Ryan McLeod, like that line is providing so much. They, they held their own against the Bruins tonight. Yeah, I, you know what? It's hilarious because we've been we've been back and forth again and again about exactly those two guys, mm-hmm. Warren Fogel and Matthias Anmark. Right? Yeah. We've said at times they suck. Ship them out the door. Who cares? Get us the cap space. And then occasionally they just go on amazing heaters. Right? So I don't I don't mind guys like that in the lineup. But you're right. If Kylie Yamamoto is not being effective. You don't give him 19 minutes. I'm sure he's he would love to bury those chances. He's it's not like oh, he's yeah, trying to be bad, of course, but it's just not happening for him. Mm-hmm. And it it pains me to see the same sort of thing happen where Jesse Pugliarvi earlier on in the season he also was not playing well. He admitted it. He feels like he's not giving it his all. He's not able to, to he's giving it his all, but he's not able to finish. He's not able to play on, on a line with McDavid mm-hmm. and so on. And you don't give him ice time. It's, it's the same guy. It's the same person that you're dealing with here in, in these situations. And you're just favoring Yamamoto more. Yeah. And Je- I don't Jesse in the past, like I want to say in four of the past five games, he, he had an assist in each and every game in the such limited ice time. He could barely get himself into the game. He's doing everything you could possibly want from him in the chance that you're giving him. And you're just overloading Yamamoto. He's giving you nothing. Like he's so he's so ineffective right now. He's starting to drive me nuts. And obviously, I'm still fine with them moving Warren Fogel. And I know Warren Fogel's continued to keep this play up. To me, Warren Fogel is one of those guys who you see ten games of phenomenal play, and then he goes quiet for fifteen games, right? And he ends up getting scratched. So again, if they move Fogel, I wouldn't be upset. But to me, if we're if we're ranking them, just like we're ranking the trade target defensemen, I go Yamamoto's far and away the guy that I'm trying to move out first. Now, does the coach and the GM think the same way? I don't know. They probably still want to get Jesse the, the fresh start. But in, in, in ranking of the guys who would need to move out in order to bring these pieces in, it's uh, Yamo first, Jesse second, and then Fogel right now. At least that's how I kind of see it. I, if it was up to me, yeah, I'd like to keep Jesse just for the vibe strictly. But Fogel, he's, he's you know played really, really well, frankly. And I, I really do like that line with Yanmark. Fogel and Ryan McLeod. I think they are they provide a third line that the Oilers have not had in a long time. And I know every time a third line goes and scores three goals in five games, we kind of say that. But this is like the first time, especially Ryan McLeod. He's the driver. He's the driver. He can skate so well. He can carry the puck so well that it it, it really creates a not a matchup nightmare because a team like the Bruins has the depth to kind of compete with you. But you can skip, you can, you're not leaking goals from the bottom six, and that allows McDavid and Drassel to go out and do what they do best. Uh, Adam Firebeller says Carlson won't play as well on the Oilers. You're completely wrong. Um, that's all I need to say about that. Honestly, if, if players come here and start falling off a cliff, right? It's not something where you can predict that. Mm-hmm. Is Ekholm going to come here and suddenly just not be able to contribute? is i mean god forbid if if edmondson comes here are you expecting him to suddenly light everything on fire and become a superstar like no we we don't know what we're gonna get i don't think edmondson a is a, is an nhl defenseman in the like <laughs> exactly. in this lineup but this is a, a the, give me 
if, the reverse comparable, right? You bring in a star and he suddenly starts bringing in worse. You bring in a, a dud and he suddenly starts becoming mm-hmm. a, 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 like an NHL caliber defenseman. I don't know, but you can kind of take what you've seen from players as they are now. And I know, you know, you hate the phrase guy in record book, but you could take that as a little bit of a predictor. Obviously you can't go too far backwards because people age games change, but that's what we have to go on right now. And if, if you don't, th- you don't want to rely on the guide and record book, fine. Go with a guy like Chickering who still has like room to grow, mm-hmm. right? Younger players who might bloom more. It's it's hard to say, and I did want to uh, bring in Ryan McLeod. Ryan McLeod has been just an absolute legend for this team, coming in at a really team friendly deal to make the cap work in the beginning, and then really contributing like he's he's on everything right mm-hmm. he's on the power play too but that still counts <laughs> he's on everything on this team and i'm i'm glad like you mentioned that we finally have a legitimate third line center on yeah. the edmonton oilers how many years in the past have we been mentioning that and it's just never come to fruition we've never been able to trade for that guy no need we've grown him here Yep, absolutely. He's been he's been phenomenal. He's come. He's done everything you can expect of him. Is more and more. Um, yeah, no, I think that's kind of where we are. Hey, like they played, they played about, they played a really good game. They had two critical brain farts, ended up losing because the Bruins are just such a killer. You put this effort in against any. This is, I think, why. And I said this to you earlier. The losses against Columbus and Montreal frustrate you so much because this is the, the Oilers team you know that they can play, be, play like, they can put this lineup out there, they can play hard and fast and skate with any single roster that is in the NHL. So when they go out and lay a dud against all these garbage teams, it's really frustrating. And we also knew that this tough stretch was coming up, and we can look at it, we can just talk about the stretch coming up here before we close down the show. Um, we, we knew that, I don't I didn't expect them to win, you kind of hope they win, but you, you can't afford to lose points against those shitty teams and then come into this stretch. And you can't go 0-7 in this stretch. you got to win some games. Hopefully they can go 4-3. and It's going to be tough. You're going to have to beat Winnipeg back-to-back pretty much. You're going to have to beat Buffalo. Because um, Toronto, the Oilers, seem to really struggle with. I can't remember the last time they beat Toronto. Uh, and Boston, obviously, has literally never lost. So, yeah. yeah. And don't for, don't forget, I mean... I'm I'm sure there's lots of debate between the Eastern teams and the Western teams, like you mentioned earlier on the show. But there's a back to or uh, yeah, a back to back against Winnipeg in there, mm-hmm. and Winnipeg is no team to scoff at. Well, so right now they're struggling, and I believe Connor Hellbuck's injured. Big Save Dave is in that, and if Big Save Dave starts against the Oilers, I'm very very excited for that. Uh, that'll be a fun one. But uh, yeah, they can't beat Toronto, can't beat Boston. And one thing that really worries me about this game, and I know we probably, Stu probably could have been better on the first two goals, is that now because Stuart lost, he, Jay Woodcroft's going to make the mistake of going back to Campbell against his former team. And I hate to say it, but if he does that, guaranteed L. Like, don't even turn on the game. We can just start up the game over before, run it real quick, and but we'll be done by the end of the first period. We know what the outcome exactly. of that what game will be. Tonight's game. Jack uh... Campbell had a <laughs> six hundred save percentage, and Austin Matthews passed Connor McDavid in the in the Rocket Richard race, but single handedly. Let's just talk about the uh, trade deadline acquisition of Evander Kane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, what a oh man! I'm sorry. You can think that, Ken, but if you say that, 
you, you're just asking for Twitter to blow up. Like that's well, on let's him. Let's be honest. When he gave that interview, and I heard it for the first time, I was saying he wants us to be mad at him. Like you read the room, Ken. There's a reason why people want your head. They want you fired. And saying shit like this, it really doesn't help. Yeah, but that's that's it. Like, yeah, honestly, on a night where we didn't even touch on this very much on a night when McDavid scores his 50th, the Mick 50. And let's I know we did this way late into the show, but let's see if we can get 50 likes well, on this episode for Mick 50. If we can't get there, we can't get there. We're already at 25. Let's go. So, yeah, you guys want to smash that like us. button. Dennis and I, we're um, we're we're gonna wrap it up here. We've been on we've been on for a, a while. We'll be back Wednesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hopefully, we get a slightly better performance. It's all you need. A little, a few less brain farts, and I think they can do something. The diff, the thing is with Toronto now, you're going into face a Toronto team that in the last week has had or last two weeks has had Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, Jake McCabe, and Sam Lafferty, and has taken nothing off their roster. What? We won't even get our Evander Kane to, uh, acquisition oh, by then. Acquisition. So it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see. I'm hoping the Oilers put up at least a good effort in that game. I hope Toronto doesn't take it to them, but we'll see how that goes. We'll need definitely a better effort from a few players on the Oilers for sure. But uh, until then, we will we'll, we'll be back. This has been Game Over Edmonton. The Oilers uh, lose by a score of 3-2 to two to the Boston Bruins. That's Dennis. Where can they find you? At Dennis Lee Y-E-G on Twitter. And Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. Thank you again for joining us. MGD, Brave, J Money, Jacob. I saw Wise Kyle, Adam Fraser, Travis Farquhar, Loomsis. Uh, yeah, thanks. There's a couple of new folks yeah, as Tons well. of people I don't recognize in chat. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for interacting. I'm Greg Shaden for joining. Uh, it's awesome to see all your chats, even if we don't. I'm, I'm rating them as they come in. So uh, thank you for that. We will be back Wednesday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hopefully we get a slightly better result. But we will see you then. For now, stay safe. Have a good night. Uh, take care. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sports